You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Luke chapter number 22, please, in your Bible. Luke chapter number 22. We'll read verse number 19 down through verse number 21. And then we're going to go back to 1 Samuel 18 and then 2 Samuel chapter 9. And then we'll be in Revelation 19 at the end of this thing. And I want to give you a thought for this evening, and I pray God will let us see it. I'm glad that there was blood shed for us one day that takes care of it all, that handled it all. Thank God for His grace, and thank God for His blood. Good singing tonight, and good spirit in the service. Thank God for that. Luke 22 and verse number 19, the Bible said, And He took bread, and gave thanks, and brake it. And gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament, in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room. And as these twelve men and then the God-man sit at this table... Jesus begins to explain to them and will institute what we call the New Testament. That word testament is the same as that word covenant, new covenant. Wouldn't it be something to have a seat at that table? Wouldn't it be something to be able to have a place there at that table? For just a minute, I want us to think on that thought. Praise God for a place at the table. In verse 14, really, through verse 38, we find the upper room. It's a special scene, it's a solemn scene, and it's a spiritual scene. In these verses, Christ is sitting at that table with his 12 disciples. Now in this Last Supper, as we call it, Christ is instituting the New Testament. In verse number 19 and verse number 20, it talks about that, we just read it. But in verse number 20, it said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Now, to you and I, that might not mean as much as it would to those Jewish minds that were sitting there with Christ at the table. They would fully understand what he was trying to tell them when he said, this cup is the New Testament. Now, interchangeably, you can say New Testament or New Covenant. Our Bible's divided into an Old Testament and a New Testament, or we could say an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. And Jesus is saying, I am instituting at this moment with you, signified in the juice that's in that cup, a new covenant. Now, as they would look into that cup and they'd see that red liquid there in the cup, they would understand that what Christ was doing is he is instituting and entering in with them a new covenant, but not just a new covenant, but a new blood covenant. You find as you study your Bible that from the beginning, God has made much about the blood. In fact, the story of history is unveiled to man in shades of crimson and colors of red from Genesis 3 on throughout the duration of your Bible. As God makes it clear, the only way for man back to God is through the blood. In Genesis chapter 3, God entered into a blood covenant with Adam. 
In Genesis 15, God entered into a blood covenant with Abraham. The act of circumcision and the day of atonement and other acts like that are reminders to Israel of that blood covenant that they entered into. Probably the best example for you and I of a blood covenant is found between David and Jonathan back in 1 Samuel chapter number 18. If you want to, you can take your Bible there. David has just killed the giant Goliath. In chapter 17, David becomes the champion of Israel. Through that, David's heart and the heart of Jonathan are knit together. In verse number 2, the Bible says of chapter 18, And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. That word covenant means to cut. So Jonathan and David are literally now entering into a blood covenant one with another. The grounds for that covenant is the love that Jonathan had for David. Look what it says. Because he loved him as his own soul. These two men are about to enter into a binding contract. They're about to enter into a perpetual promise. They're about to enter in to an unbreakable agreement that what is his will be the others and what is the others shall be his and they'll be bound together by the blood. It's amazing how this is birthed out of a genuine love one for the other. other. In verse number four, it tells us what they did. The Bible says, and Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments even to his sword and to his bow and to his girl. So here's what's happening. At this point, David is destitute. David's just a poor shepherd boy. He doesn't have anything to offer at all. But Jonathan enters into a blood covenant. And he said, David, everything that's mine through the blood is now going to be yours. And to signify this, he takes off his robe. That robe represents Jonathan's person. He's saying, you're going to be reckoned with me, and I'm going to be reckoned with you by this blood covenant. Then he takes off his sword, his weaponry representing his power. He said all the power that's mine, I'm going to give it and bestow it on you through this blood covenant. Then he goes down to the girdle representing that which would hold his weaponry. That's being protected. He said I'm going to offer you my protection. I'm going to give you my strength. I'm going to watch over you through the blood covenant. And then he said this, everything that's mine, it's now yours. Our hearts are knit together. I'm the king's son. Now you're the king's son. All my provision, it's at your disposal. You read what they would do in the blood covenant, and it goes even further than that. They would cut the covenant, the phrase is. In Genesis 15, God cut the covenant with Abraham as they offered the sacrifice and mingled them on the altar. And then they would pass through that sacrifice. And as those two parties in the blood covenant would pass through the sacrifice, they'd pass through in a figure eight so that at all times they were walled by that blood signifying this is a perpetual covenant. It shall not be broken. The next step in the blood covenant, they'd go further. They would 
cut their right wrist. They'd make sure there was blood running from their wrist. They'd hold the wrist up to the heavens. Then they'd join their wrists together and they'd let their blood mingle one with another. They were wrecking each, each other with one another. They were becoming one another, if you will. They'd go on further. They'd exchange names one with another in a blood covenant. Then they'd make a meal. They'd have bread and they'd break the bread. And then they'd have the wine and they'd drink the fruit of the vine. Then I read Brother Bertram, they'd plant a tree. They'd, they'd go and they'd plant a tree to signify the making of the blood covenant. And then they'd take the blood of the sacrifice and they'd sprinkle it upon that tree that was planted. That tree would grow as a reminder that they were in a blood covenant. And then they wouldn't let that cut heal, but they'd make sure they'd mar that cut with a sand or another object and make it scar. So the rest of their life, it'd be obvious to everyone, they are covenant men. They are covenant keepers. They are part of the covenant. So from here on out, Jonathan and David are covenant men. Every day they live, they have the mark of the covenant right there upon their flesh. Now Saul gets, Saul gets jealous of David. He begins to try to run David from his kingdom. He throws a javelin at him, and David's life is marked by treachery and jealousy and one step between him and death. His life is hard. It's miserable. You read on, and I'll paraphrase it in the end of 1 Samuel on the hill of Gilboa. Saul and Jonathan die. Now David is reigning in Hebron. There's another little skirmish with another son of Saul just giving you the Cliff Notes version. That boy is taken care of as well, and David consolidates the kingdom, and he reigns in Jerusalem. Now think about it. For 27 years or so, he's had busy a busy schedule for 27 years or so. He's been wrapped up in wars and rumors of wars for 27 years. He's been on the run, but finally there is peace now in the kingdom. When you come to 2 Samuel chapter 9, David finally has time to sit and think. And as he sits and thinks, he remembers the blood covenant that he had with Jonathan. He begins to ask around the palace. He said, is there any remaining of the sons of Saul, the household of Saul, that I can be good to? Isn't it amazing how he sat there and was just prompted by grace and love to do something good, to obey and uphold that covenant? There's a man named Ziba there. Ziba was a servant of Saul. They go and they fetch Ziba. Ziba comes to the presence of King David now. And David said, I've got a question. He said, you used to work for Saul. Aren't there any of the household of Saul remaining? He said that I might show kindness for Jonathan's sake. And I like what Ziba says. Ziba said, hey, listen, Jonathan hath yet a son, but he is lame on his feet were introduced to a boy named Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is living in the land of Lodibar. That word Lodibar means the place of no bread or a place of no pasture. It's a dry place. It's a destitute place. It's a depressing place. And it's a dying place. This boy is crippled in 2 Samuel chapter 4. His nurse tries to flee with him as a little baby. And she drops him as an adolescent, falls on him. And he's crippled by that fall because of that. He's unable to help himself. He's got no power. He's cut off. He's cast away. He's condemned because of who his daddy was. His bloodline's all wrong. Can you imagine Mephibosheth is living down there in Lodabar. He doesn't have any idea that blood was shed for him a long time ago, that he has rights to sit at the king's table. He's down there destitute. He's down there cast off. He's down there in that dry place. He's crippled up, laying on a bed.
bed, no, that little shamble of a house. And David said, go and fetch him. That's not just good preaching. That's even good English. Go and fetch him for me. He said, I want you to go get Mephibosheth and bring him to me. Can you imagine that royal procession as it goes to where Mephibosheth was? He wasn't looking for David, but David was looking for him. He knew his name. He knew his location. He knew his position, and he sent his cavalry out to get him. Can you imagine how nervous Mephibosheth must have been as that royal procession pulled up, and they started calling his name, and they said, Mephibosheth, the king is calling your name. Mephibosheth, the king is calling in your name. I can see him laying there in that little shack of a house. He's all crippled up. He's just waiting to die. He's destitute and empty. And he hears the cry, the king is calling your name. He probably thought, I'm going to die now. Surely David wants to wipe Saul's family off the face of the map. I'm a goner. I'm as good as dead. And they said, oh no, that's not the situation at all. You see, David wants you to come be where he is. He wants you to come to the palace. Mephibosheth Sheth goes to the palace. He walks in and lays himself at David's feet. And David begins to tell Mephibosheth, I'm going to be good in your life because of Jonathan. Not because of you, but for Jonathan's sake. You see, a long time ago, I entered into a blood covenant with your daddy. I shed blood for him, and he shed blood for me. I took his name, and he took my name. He gave me his power. I offered him my power. We were in a blood covenant, and that covenant is by on your life as well. He said, Mephibosheth, I know you've been crippled and cast off. I know you are condemned because of the family that you're in, but I've called you out to bring you in to this covenant made by the blood. He tells him in verse number seven, he said, I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Can you see him as they sit there. I see Mephibosheth saying, how in the world did I get at the table? How did I ever get a seat at the table? And maybe David took that sleeve and rolled up his sleeve and said, you got here by the print of the scar upon my wrist. There was a day the blood was shed on your behalf. You say, what happened after that? He gave him all of Saul's inheritance. He got everything back that his father had lost. Why? Because the blood covenant. Can I say the same thing happening in my life and in yours. We were crippled by a fall. We were condemned and cast away. But thank God there was a day that we got called out and brought into a covenant. There was blood shed on our behalf. There was a transaction made. There was a tree planted and the blood of a sacrifice sprinkled upon it. Thank God I met Jesus. I met my heavenly David. And when I did, he said, I tell you what, I'm going to give you my robe. I'm going to give you my girdle. I'm going to give you my name. I'm going to give you my provision. I'm going to give you my protection. I'm going to bathe you in my power and I'm going to keep it perpetually and it's based on the mark of the nail in my hand. And one of these days those disciples had a seat at the table but in Revelation 19 I found another table in Revelation 19. There's a marriage supper of the Lamb. These are the saints of God up in glory and the Bible said in verse 9 of 19 he said this right blessed are they which are called under the marriage supper 
of the Lamb. I thought about the song. Then he'll call us home to glory. At his table we'll sit down. Christ will gird himself and feed us with sweet manna all around. And one of these days we'll get to sit down at another table because we entered in to a blood covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not going to hell tonight because of the blood. We're a child of God tonight because of the blood. We can live in his grace tonight because of his blood. We got a mansion in heaven because of his blood. There's no condemnation because of his blood. The wrath of God's abated because of his blood. Saved forever because of his blood. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I cling. What could wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Lord, I pray tonight as we continue with this service, you'd help us to never get over and always be grateful for the blood covenant in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.